It is Sunday, the 10th of May, 2020, and this is episode 374 of Digital Outbox. Welcome to another lockdown episode of Digital Outbox. I am Chris. I am hosting today and ably assisted as ever by Ian. Hello, Ian. How are you today? I'm fine. I was, I was going to usually say good evening, but it's good morning. Yeah, we're actually morning, morning podding. Yes, and and it's um, an amazing change. It's 18 in Glasgow yesterday. Quite a nice, you know, spring slash summer day. It's three today. <laughs> It's the, it's doing that at the moment. It's like peaks and troughs all the time. It's yeah. Wow, it's pretty wow, bonkers. Wow, walk this morning and blew my neck. Woke yeah. me up. Bet it did. Yeah. Woke me up. Uh, so you've been busy. I have been busy. I am extremely tired at the moment because I'm running effectively two jobs. But yes, I've been building up a new sim racing uh, community, caterandracer dot com, and that's so that's for like drivers like me who would have been racing um if it wasn't for the covid and, and we're, we're getting out there in the simulator world and it's uh, i must admit it's very watchable so i wish it's um i've been watching a bit more of the racing so it's now that formula one's doing it nascar and indycar are doing it and um, there's the race series and it's got lots of you know professional racers and your stack's up really well. Well, there you go. So you can tune into the YouTube channel. If you search YouTube for caterandracer.com, you too can tune in and watch some catering racing. You'll hear me doing the commentary roles. Unfortunately, given that I'm trying to organise it all, I also help out with the commentary, um, which means I can't race anymore, which is rather sad. But I also... D- I, I did notice that fatal flaw in the plan. That, that six <laughs> weeks ago, I'm doing this because I'm missing racing. Six weeks later, I'm not racing anymore. <laughs> I'm loving the technology aspects of it, though, working out how to do a full-on live broadcast and all the kind of tech that comes along with that. There's some really nice, really nice stuff. So, yeah, it's it's not the end of the world. Um, but, yeah, I'd love it if people did tune in. So, yeah, go search YouTube for cateringracer.com. And generally speaking, we have live races on Monday and Friday nights. Uh, and it's I mean, last, yeah, I watched it yesterday. So it was um, Not Kill, which is was one of the two races I've come to see you in live. Yeah. And... Um, and it was it was actually really enjoyable to watch. I think the combination of you know, so you've got a couple of you know, a couple of you guys commentating are really are really good. But the the quality of the racing spot on. The guys up front were very watchable. There you go, uh, endorsement indeed. And enough um, shameless plugging. Let's get on with There's this. Else to talk about. Well, that's, that's true. <laughs> Let's talk about this week's news, which starts off with layoffs for Magic Leap. Magic Leap were a sort of org reality. Uh, company aiming at consumers um, but they've come out and announced this week that they are no longer going to be focusing on uh, consumers they're going to go after the corporate market the kind of place where Microsoft has been targeting for a while Uh, and they're saying yeah just because of the change in obviously uh, environment out there um, and just they can see this as a more lucrative way they're they're one of the best funded startups I think I'm right in saying uh, ever that's been created so they've had a lot of money behind them but they're not beating people like Microsoft in these kind of big contracts at the moment. So they're in this really hard in-between stage. And I think it's, we're going to see more of this, right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird because Magic Leap was talked about by so many um, technologists and you know, investors that had said their, you know, their technology they developed is, is leaps ahead of, of everything. Oh, I've said Leap, Magic Leap. But it was leaps ahead of everybody else, you know, and 
you know, it was going to, you know, Oculus looked, you know, a generation behind and the HoloLens generation behind. And and reality was it's not. Um, they've really struggled to land, you know, content. It's no longer a consumer device, so it's, it's as you say, enterprise only. Um, so really it's kind of in HoloLens, you know, they're kind of fighting that enterprise market. And it's two two point six billion from investors. So clearly they had good demos because that's an amazing amount of money. Well, they yeah, uh, it, it's hard to go up against someone like Microsoft. And Microsoft have over the years provably they don't necessarily have the best technology all the time, but they do have the best support and developer back backing. And that's kind of what Microsoft does well. So in that corporate market, it's very nice for you know the Microsoft team to come in, explain how they can help you out. Think of all the APIs and all the infrastructure that's all in place already for you to rock with. Uh, and if someone like Magic Leap comes forward and says, "Look, we've got this great technology." Um, but at the moment we can't, you know, it's a bit ethereal, you know, you haven't, you've got to go and make the tools for this, but you know, this API exists, whatever, you know, it's just not that that's the kind of stuff they're up against, especially in the corporate market with the consumer market. You can grab people's mind of attention with nice, you know, upfront, this looks spangly and it's, you know, it's good marketing campaign, all that, um, but a bit harder in the, in the boardrooms. Yeah. And AR and VR still missing that, you know, they've been, they've been what, three, four years now and it's just still such a niche product yeah it's not not landed it's not found it's it's you know it's killer app yet it's not found it's breaking bad of netflix and all those things the things that just suddenly land it in in the daily um one thing that we have seen land in the daily uh discussion is zoom and house party they're the two kind of buzzwords around families they've really caught on um and all the other kind of providers of online meetings and, and conferencing have been kind of scratching their heads of how to catch up and offer the same kind of features and functionality and trying to move people across to their service and facebook's the latest one to join that brigade with uh facebook messenger rooms um and this allows you to have that kind of uh room set up allows 50 people to come join um allows people just to join you know um without invite and things like that um so they're definitely chasing that that market um Interestingly, they they're not end to end encrypted, which I thought was an interesting dis- decision, right? Uh, yeah, because Zoom Zoom took a ding because they said they were, but somebody's found out they weren't fully. There was bits of the calls that weren't, and they were routing some stuff through China, and people were getting excited. And Facebook have said it's not encrypted, but we don't listen, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we don't listen, so it doesn't matter. Um, but you've but you've got yeah. So so Facebook are are you know working hard. It, we've seen this with Facebook. It's, it's, it's their play, you know. When when a, you know, when something takes off, they either buy it or or clone it. Um, yep. And I remember there used to be lots of um, sniffiness about Chinese companies cloning Facebook and Google products, but they they do it just as hard as anybody else. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and, and it's it looks a good, and and they're doing the kind of AR background, sort of the, the the green screen backgrounds and AR filters to. You know, improve the so it's it's got a lot of tech on it, um, and it'll be it just it's interesting to see you know Facebook are doing this and then Google as well. So they've they've taken their meat product, and instead of charging, they've just said it's free for the next six months. Do what you like. 
yeah and they've also expanded that functionality recently with things like the the video grid and stuff like that uh so that they've all been bringing their sort of features amazing to see these massive technology firms doing what they traditionally known for which is that fast expansion quick rollout of features and updates and and expand you can imagine how much more infrastructure and service this is all taking to deliver this video conferencing to all these big things and and all of the major manufacturers so yeah the microsoft's the googles and the facebook's they they've lived up to their world which is expandability and they've they've grown their platforms in a very short space of time more more on configuration than you know in in the old days you'd have had to buy another server farm to do this but now they can do it just by changing parameters and and that's interesting to me uh the fact that and that they seem to have been doing it with relatively little disgruntledness and you hear stories every now and again of service outages and stuff like that but it's not the common this is crippling my business kind of news stories that i might have expected at the beginning of this not considering the volume of people that are jumping you know jumping in video and are working from home um, and i mean the other thing that's I mean, we, we talked about zoom and zoom's kind of the growth of zoom's really you know really kicked you know rivals into action um interesting i think it's last week week before that zoom's partnering with oracle to, to grow its cloud infrastructure which is oh. a real a rare win for oracle because yeah. usually it's usually it's you know it's amazon it's microsoft it's google um, oracle have got a real sniff about them sometimes of being a little bit of fishes and a little bit protectionist and a little bit outdated in some ways with its you know technology uh, but in a kind of really you've locked into our way and you can't get out kind of way uh, and i wonder whether that'll count against you They've only so it's only in the last year Oracle have done things like um, we'll partner with Azure, we'll partner with others, and it's because they're losing and, and yeah. they can. It's a bit like the change Microsoft did, you know, five six years ago. Our current strategy is not working. What's a winning strategy? Partnership, open, be everywhere. Look what happened. And yeah, and fingers crossed because it was a massive turnaround from yeah. our perspective. We were talking. I don't know, maybe on this podcast, it's prob- I, I, can I say a decade ago yet? I don't know if we've been doing it that oh, long. Oh, yeah, but... we've been over I think, <laughs> 12 years or something. Oh, flipping it. So yeah, probably about a decade ago, we were seriously thinking that it was the end of the road for Microsoft when Apple were taking off and all that kind of stuff and how things have taken around uh, and the, the Windows marketplace is, is actually a pretty vibrant place again now. Um, so, yeah. It was it's... just over a decade. June, wow. June, t- June 2009 was our first one bonkers isn't it when Shaq was super well I was super excited you were both super excited we were both super excited (laughs) and you you let everyone know (laughs) Uh, yeah so yeah uh, say pretty amazing Uh, anyway we'll see how that partnership works out and whether that is a good thing and and good to see Oracle joining the open world right Um, what's interesting (laughs) so talk about collaboration Google and Apple have as we mentioned a, a while back were have coming with an API that will help uh, contact tracing for COVID um, using a decentralized service. Uh, They didn't want to allow API access to companies and organizations and governments if there was going to be centralized tracing and therefore that kind of the the issues around oversight and and who gets access to that data and what that data can be used for. Anyway, so the NHS has decided that it is going to go ahead with its own centralized service. This goes, this flies in the face of, say, these new APIs that have been delivered across the two major platforms. And it also kind of has to be delivered in... I'll call it a slightly janky way, right? It's because because the APIs aren't available to them to constantly uh, check in the background if they've come in contact with the phone. They're having to they're having to sort of hack it almost. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So on Android, it works fine. Android Android's a lot more open around you know how how you can 
you know, keep Bluetooth apps running in the background. Apple have always been fiercely protective around, um, you know, battery life, what can run in the background, um, which I I personally prefer. And I've seen that from just putting some, you know, if I put some apps on my work Android device, it can absolutely kill it, you know, really quickly. And, and I never really get that now on, on, on iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so NHS have, have said we're, we're not waiting for, you know, sorry, we're not, not not so much we're not waiting because the, the APIs are out now, but in beta format, so they're not out to general public from both Google and Apple. The NHS have gone down there. We, we want to have the data. We want to hold that centrally. Um, and that's their preferred route. It's the, 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 the NHS app is now out. Isle of Wight are testing it now. Um, Android works okay. And, and as you say, the, the battery life in, in iOS is fine, but, but they're basically Apple are turning a blind eye to a, you know, a, a, a hack that they're using. Apple could patch it now, or they could have said we're not, a, you know, we're not allowing this in the App Store. So mm. people, it looks like, it looks like there's a, you know, the politics of we'd rather you go down this route. UK have decided to go otherwise, but that that play of Apple saying actually we're going to publish this app would probably be such a political hot potato. You know, it's. It it would be, it's um, but they, you know that's not to say they're not willing to do that every now and again. They well, are, they've proved themselves willing to do that. Exactly, and there's a really good point that it's fine letting. So, so, so and, and again, it's, it depends on your worldview. It's fine letting UK do it because they're a safe, they're part of Five Eyes and all that good stuff. What happens if Iran wanted to put an app in the App Store that did this? Would mm. you say yes? Would you allow it? You know, and it, it then starts to get more difficult. There are certain nations probably get away with more than others. You know, they've got certain more clout. Um, and in the background, there's there's now a lot of press speculation that the NHS are working on App 2, um, which is going to support the Apple Google APIs. Because mm. okay. and and, and, the, the biggest thing about these tracing apps is take-up. It needs take-up to work. If you do not have take-up around 60, 70, 80%, they don't work. And, and I guess it's also worth us putting so... You know, so that's worth saying. Centralized collection of this data could be, and no doubt from an NHS point of view, is incredibly important for certain types of data analysis that allow them to see centrally how the virus is spreading, moving, adapting, and changing, and actually would give a better service <clears throat> than the decentralized approach, which requires uh, handsets effectively checking against central stores of data rather than having the data you know sorry checking against each other to see whether they've had uh, contact with a particular phone so if someone say flags their phone as having i've got symptoms it can then ping other people's phones who have got that same number in their database so it doesn't need that centralized server but so you gain massive benefit and i think that's what they're kind of trying to do but equally <clears throat> you can see how when you start doing this uh, privacy is eroded and do is that going to be then abused going forward um the nhs is a protected you know a brand for the government in that it's well respected and well loved but you don't want to erode that by having a sort of data scandal no and and i read an amazing story yesterday it it came out of south korea south korea have done really well around their their track and trace and they've got they've got covid down to you know it, it was mostly you know people traveling and bringing it into the country now but there was one case through the week where there was one person and he went to like, you know, three or four different nightclubs and out of that infected another 40, 50 people. And it just shows the importance of tracking trays. One person yeah. not showing symptoms 
but then two or three days, because that's the way this disease works. You don't show symptoms and you're passing it to others. And, and, and it goes from one person to, that's 50, which then... That's why it was invisible to us for that long. Exactly. And then suddenly it hits you. And, you know, that's the thing yeah. about exponential growth. Like you say, it only takes one person and unknowingly just, yeah, visiting and being in close proximity to loads of others. And that's why the whole problem of, un, you know, unlocking down the country, as it were, feels like it's a safe place out there now because we're not hearing so much about the numbers and growth. Uh, but actually, you know, as soon as you put people back in that environment, you get the was, dangers again. So, yeah. So I was shocked, shocked on Friday that... that um you know, went from a shop face mask on and shop was busy, most people with no masks, um, but also just ignoring social distancing, apart yeah. from when they were forced to queue. So yeah. the only time they would pay attention was the queue in and the queue at the till, everything else ignored. And I've seen us slipping in that recently, just because the talk on the news and media currently is about getting out of lockdown. Get out, get out, there's the, yeah, there's that natural inclination of people in their mind that, oh, it's not, you know, it's not so important anymore. And, and or are we, you know, and and it, it just it's a big problem for everyone, and and it's, these apps are going to be vital. These going to yep. be vital. It's a huge problem, and but you still I still go back to you know six hundred people died Friday, um you know the the, the rates are still high, um the rest of the world's looking at us as if we're, we're idiots. It's like what are you doing? Mm. Um, and I think we started off this campaign reasonably, you know, and felt like a good in in control plan with you know with science science sort of leading it. Um, and it just feels like we've we've got knocked off the track a little bit. Um, anyway, even the last twenty four hours, you know. So England's going to change the message, and Scotland have no 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 knowledge of it, and they've said mm. no chance we're changing it. And and we Scotland are slightly behind, you know, like London and south south east, you know. So I really hope that yeah, this technology can help ease Definitely. that that problem. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so they, yeah, so we've said that they've already released their APIs, so we'll see that growth, and hopefully it'll move off the Isle of Wight shortly. Um, PewDiePie has signed to come back to uh, YouTube with live streaming deal. Um, the, <laughs> I mean, th- this guy is is immense. I, I, you know, he's got a lot of haters, but ultimately he's got a lot of lovers as well. And he's 104 million subscribers he used to have on YouTube, and he moved platform, but he's still generated 822 million, uh, 822,000 on a platform that not many people know about, or you know, I guess they went just for him. I mean, I'd never heard of it. I mean, I mean D Live. I'd, no. you know, you know, still, I mean, still nearly a million members. And, and anyway, he's clearly dropped off, but he's looking now to come back. You know, they've signed that deal, and, and I guess they're happy to have him. Uh, yeah, and, and and I think it shows that um, it doesn't matter how racist you are and how many times you get caught on camera. If you've got the views and people love you, companies will pay money. I, I, I and I haven't got the the knowledge of all the backstory to to know anything uh, about that. You know, yeah. it's easy to be quick to uh, judge, but nevertheless, yeah, hundred two million is is quite a lot for uh, for YouTube to sort of turn down. It won't. Uh, we've got Facebook, and they've set up a Supreme Court. Um, wow. And this Supreme Court is about when do they and when do they not take content down. So this the idea is it'll actually be a chair, you know, a, a, a forum of people who make decisions on really tricky you know decisions around what content is allowed what content isn't all those tricky decisions that just impossible to to really get a a firm grasp of well they've formed this court to make calls on those behalf and and they've got um all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds helping to make these judgment calls 
I think it's more, I mean, personally, I think it's more of a corporate front to a problem. Uh, maybe isn't the solution, but it, but I am interested to see that they are at least acknowledging it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's gonna, they're gonna, they've announced the first 20. It's going to be 40 in total. Um, they're going to hear cases later this year, so they are going to run it like a court. The former Danish Prime Minister, who I'm not going to pronounce, <laughs> is going to co-chair the panel. Um, but if you look at the list of people, you know, human rights advocate who's worked in women's rights across Africa, um, law professors from America, digital rights advocate based in Pakistan, uh, you know, former editor in chief of the Guardian, you know, so a real a real mix of of you know skills, um, background, experience, and I think that will help because some of their some of Facebook's decisions over the years have felt. Um, biased, as in you can almost see it's like Zuckerberg's decided this. He's comfortable with that content and not that. Mm. You know, it feels like it's like one or two people making that decision, and it's you know. So why why are you allowing? You know, you, you, there was that whole thing about banning best reading images, but there was a whole lot of other you know nudes and stuff getting shared around. It's like what's what's the determination around that that says that's wrong and that's right. Yeah. And I guess actually having this panel of, you know, if it is a well-rounded panel of people making decisions, actually will then lead to policy uh, going forward, which might might help the situation and really start to get a feel for, well, you know, in this world, you, you know, same with common law and you have a balance of, you know, of one one thing after over another. And, uh, and that'll be, say, uh, rights to 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 say what you like but also the balance of rights to be protected from uh you know abuse and and discrimination so yeah uh, i wouldn't want to be making those decisions but i'd be interested to see what the long-term outcome of it is if it doesn't turn out just to be that thing to, that keeps shareholders happy yeah and i think the, the long term is a really good point because what they're stressing is it's not about you know ian's put up a post today and tomorrow they're going to meet to say take that down it's not about quick knee-jerk it's about long-term strategic it's looking at the bit of content which is really tricky and there's no real answer and getting an answer yeah. to it. Yeah. And again, so it's like, and the way they described it, I thought it was quite well. It's not the internet police. You know, it's not like somebody's like, here's the rules, right? Take that down. It's about things like, and they, they said, you know, Facebook shouldn't be deciding elections. Whereas it feels like recently the use of Facebook and social media elsewhere has been deciding elections, you mm. know, and, and, and that's the tricky thing around. So how do you, how do you still grow a company? and meet all the kind of shareholder needs but equally keep it on the right side of and on that political side of things making sure that politicians can say what they would like to say to uh, you know effectively the public via these good these mediums that allow them to do that without stepping over lines and just blatantly lying and spreading false information Mm. so uh, or even not necessarily the politicians themselves but affiliate groups that's that's been more the problem it's that they've had these outside agencies who have actually come in and disrupted and that's that's where they've that's where they've got a problem isn't it yes Virgin and O2 also may have a problem if the witch uh, consumer <laughs> have, they, have their say. So they've announced today, Virgin and, and um, O2 has announced they're going to do a merger. Um, and they're trying to <clears throat> compete with BT, basically, uh, by bringing together those kind of two broadcast and internet sort of side of things. Uh, and yeah, which have said, can we, uh, can the competitions please have a look at this? I don't think it's going to be any good for consumers. Uh, consumers, which already on those two platforms are not, they don't come high in the consumer satisfaction rating. Uh, and I'm guessing that the company, the, you know, the reason they're trying to merge together is to try and get some more clout. But yeah, 
but it, it might come at the cost of of their existing users yeah so it's, it's more clout but as you say to take on the likes of you know bt and sky and 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 you know o2 is what in the media side and the home broadband side and and virgin's looking for you know they offer lots of virgin media type you know mobile products but instead they can use o2s and you know save a bit of cash that way as well I think this one should be fine from a competition perspective. I think it was was it O2 and I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it O2? I'm trying to see if the article said it as well. O2 tried to merge with somebody not so long ago. Wasn't it Hutchinson what? Telecom? Wasn't it Orange? Yeah, it was so it, three, it was was it O2 and maybe someone yeah, but it made it too large in the platform. Yeah, and that was the worry. The worry was it it took away one of the mobile offerings, mm-hmm. whereas this one doesn't. So it feels like there's more chance of this one, you know, being approved. Uh, Microsoft have jumped out with a whole ton of uh, announcements recently. Um, first, on a bit of a negative, they've decided on the Windows 10X. Um, well, t- is that 1010? Who knows nowadays? Uh, 10X. Uh, <laughs> when they were they were pushing forward the um, the dual screen kind of booklet almost type device um, earlier, but they've said that um, they are actually going to pivot away from that angle because. Uh, you know, because of the new environment, basically, they want to actually focus in on the stuff that they reckon people need now. So things like conferencing, connectivity, all those kind of things. Uh, and they're sort of selling that as a, 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 a positive of the new environment is that they are, it is flexible enough that they can pivot away from just being around this dual screen technology and, and into people's homes. It sounds like a little bit of marketing spin to me, uh, but we were looking forward to those dual screen. I think we, we talked about it on the podcast. We talked about how, again, probably a decade ago, we had seen this new tablet idea from Microsoft where they show this visual of a almost like a booklet, which you could move content from one side of the, you know, from one screen to another and have it almost as a copy paste type area. And it was all sorts of interesting stuff they were doing around the time, which was ahead of the game, um, but they've still not quite got there uh, just yet with the, <clears throat> but Windows 10X looked like it was going to be that and it and now it doesn't uh, yep i i was looking at so i think bill gates demoed it what did he say it was courier it was was the name of the device but he demoed Ooh, something like 10 right. 10 12 years ago which everybody then says apple you know copied or cloned with the ipad and got it right and um, microsoft didn't and again when i when i saw this that, that dual screen there's something about it i like something about that if i could have a phone size thing that unfolds into a double the size and i can do things with feels and it reminds me of Scions. Remember the Scions with the keyboard and screen? There's just something about it that's like, oh, I like, I like it. Um, we'll never know whether it's bull and marketing or it actually makes you know sense. And it, it maybe makes sense for a number of reasons because consumers aren't going to be you know instantly drawn to brand new products this year. Their, their money and attention's elsewhere. It's not just consumers, though, is it? It's all the manufacturing infrastructure that's actually not up and running, and it's uh, it's not able to. Um, sort of keep up with that kind of demand at the moment so uh, bringing a new product completely new manufacturing process and all those kind of things to market right now is tricky not just from a consumer's point of view but also from a manufacturing point of view um, but they've also been telling us about the new surface go 2 um, this is the kind of this is the smallest tablet that, uh, that microsoft do as a surface tablet uh, and they've increased the screen size but actually it's no bigger i think it's just got a sort of smaller bezel uh, and it offers most of the stuff that you'd expect from that smaller style device you know they've got some um the the specs are all reasonable if you if you like that form factor uh, and as most people seem to this is quite a nice say mobile version of it a little bit less uh, intensive uh, from the product productivity point of view 
Yeah, and there's not there's not many you know there's not many Windows tablets out there, so a nice a nice good size Windows tablet. And um, the previous one was well well reviewed, and um, I'm sure this one will be as well. And and they've got LTE options as well, so it's not just a you know a Wi-Fi based tablet. You can have a very you know very a very powerful tablet that you can connect to anything. It's, yeah. it's actually quite a nice device. And you can connect them to your Surface to, uh, headphones too. So these it's basically an iteration over their previous design. It's actually going to drop in price slightly, I think. Um, but also um, they have a bit, bit of a battery battery life as well. So uh, their headphones, their kind of bud headphones, they're allowing uh, noise cancelling and all those kind of nice things. So the, the, the Surface headphones that aren't the bud ones, these are the ah. big can ones. The, the member, I don't know if you remember, they were like big tubs type thing you could turn it on one side and change how much um would you call it you could change how much noise environment there yeah, was okay. and all that uh, okay. I, I, I don't know they look a bit they look a bit ugly to me ah uh, um, yes because the surface earbuds are the ones that i was thinking about and that's yes. next <laughs> but they also and, have got a new head uh, they're new because i've never had they, they previewed these last year and says we're just about to bring them out and they, and they took a bit of delay but that's um that's um out now because they hope to i think it was last last autumn they wanted to bring them out so it's taken a kind of six nine month hint, hit which reminds me of the if you remember the first airpods from apple you know they're, they're coming now and and they really struggle to get them out yeah i guess it's hard technology uh to, yep. yeah, yeah definitely um surface book three has now got better uh graphical options on it and a faster um, um solid state discs I, these are all iterations that you might expect, but the, these are products that, yeah, you, we can't just glance over nowadays because the Surface really has caught the imagination. It, it has been. It, I, I go back five, six years when the first, the first, you know, Surface came out, and it was like, what are you doing here? And and where they are now is is you know pretty fantastic. The Surface Book Three, I just think, is an awesome looking laptop. Uh, the only problem with the Surface Book was it started launched on that whole was it I can't remember what they called it Windows RTE or something like that, which was yeah. you know the cut down version, and and that never really took off. As soon as they went full Windows and had a sort of the more powerful machines, it spawned a whole new thing. You know, really, you could argue that the iPad Pro is effectively nowadays with its keyboard options and things uh, a Surface yeah, yeah. Um, same thing. And the Surface Book Three, I mean, it's it's like, and none of these are cheap. You know, so the Surface Book Three. It, I mean, it starts at sixteen hundred, but it can go up to. I think it was three and a half thousand. Yeah, once you start putting the big graphics cards in there, uh, which isn't surprising. These effectively graphics cards are powerful ones nowadays. Or like many computers all in their own. It's it's bonkers. Yes. Um, let it be said that we don't. To cover real geeky content. So if you're into GitHub, uh, <laughs> sorry. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> as as you know as as day-to-day i guess we i I, i'm a user and i'm guessing there are loads of people out there but interestingly github's obviously had some enhancements recently it's gone free to use for everyone even for um sort of lockdown products and they have now integrated uh a basically a development environment straight inside of um github which means that you can develop and you know test and things like that all inside of a you know just this environment it's just bonkers and it's all inside the browser as well, so you can you can um, basically develop in the cloud. It's a cloud-based version of Microsoft VS Code editor, which I love um, and, and have everywhere. Uh, and I just I just I just think the power of being able to you know if you're a web developer to be able just to I just need to get to that browser and so I can for, do my code in that anywhere. iterative development environment. You know, if someone wants to be a collaborator, they no longer have to do these pull requests and do all those kind of things. They can actually, or they don't have to have a local environment that they have to set up and get going. They can literally 
if they see that their line of code needs changing, they can change it and suggest that as a an option, which is great. And I'm still sure there'll be preferences around, uh, you know, I want a, you know, a MacBook or Windows equivalent, you know, plugged into a large monitor. I want an iMac, you know, large large screen. But if you're sitting, you know, got my iPad, that's the only thing I've got available right now, and I can pull up my same development environment and make a change and commit it, run through all the testing. And it's also, what's interesting, you mentioned how things were free. This is going to get paid by the hour. So it's a, mm-hmm. it feels like it's an option when you need it. You know, yeah. and, and if you're just having to, you know, if you're a web developer and you're, and you're dipping in out your, some of your code, you know, a few times a month, probably more cost effective to, to, you know, just pay for it this way rather than, you know, I need that three grand MacBook Pro. You know, I need yeah. that, you know, whatever. I- seems to have been a, a podcast where we've been reminiscing and harking back but i'm going to talk back to the the birth of the mobile apps that we were talking about right at the beginning of our kind of podcasting and how they felt like this new fresh innovative innovative thing but uh, we said at the time that the apps were probably not the end game in the long term that actually browser based content would be the end game and i don't think even then we would have imagined that you can develop and have a whole ide a whole set of you know collaborative tools that you can really use productivity uh, you know productively and, uh, with, and with all the plugins yeah, and, just, and, and if you look at all the stuff you know the, the, the you know it's just you know the power that's sitting in, in github now and i still go back to what a year ago or 18 months ago when microsoft bought github and it was like oh they have been pretty good custodians yeah, again, they're just ticking boxes, aren't they, at the moment, as far as looking like a company that's going somewhere again. Yep. Games Pass is also somewhere that's going, some, uh, going uh, something that's going somewhere. Those words in some order. Uh, 10 million subscriptions they've hit now, um, which, you know, that's, that is quite bonkers for, you know. I guess it's because it is a good value service. It gives you access to games and allows you to play games without actually having to invest 40, 50 quid at a time. You just, you know, tickling along over the years and and all their kind of upgrade process for the sort of games pass ultimate and stuff just encourage people in and that means there's 10 million people there looking to stay on the pc platform stay with xbox going into a new console uh launch window and i think that's that's quite an important stat it is um you know it's, it's a big number it's a big number that would look to invest in that new hardware um and just been just having a, almost like a peace of mind that that content I mean, if we talked about it when it first came out, that you know you're going to get the Forzas, the Halos, um, but they're average. So Forza is, feels like an every year, two year, and there's probably been a bit of delay because of the new consoles coming out that they've kind of targeted this. But they've got so many first parties themselves now that, that the actual content coming in is really quite impressive. I mean, this month, Red Dead Redemption and Final Fantasy, two massive games coming to the server. And not even that long. I mean, I guess Red Dead's been out for a while now, but it doesn't feel long enough into that release cycle. You'd normally expect to see something like that once it was a console generation behind. Uh, I'd love love also to see the figure. So GTA 5 is is, is leaving the service. And when GTA 5 came, it's like, is it making that much difference? But seemingly there was a blip in Game Pass subscribers who were like, well, now that GTA is there, that feels like value for money now. And I was like, surely you'd have bought the game already. I'd love to know with it leaving, does it spike GTA sales? Because some people probably become very addicted to GTA, GTA in the There's, online aspect. I was I was amazed to see how many sort of videos and releases there still, still are on there. YouTube and people Absolutely. actually just using the online world and, and just mucking around in it and, and finding new ways to play. Yeah. So yeah, that feels like a good one. Uh, and joy of joys, we've seen the 
Xbox Series X boot screen now. It's a wonderful thing, but more importantly, confirming so so E3's gone, which was going to be the big Microsoft show because Sony pulled out and Nintendo did a Nintendo Directs, and with E3 going, uh, Microsoft have confirmed they're going to do monthly, um, you know, like monthly big announcements, and they've confirmed the July event, which isn't too far away, is all about Halo Infinite. And July will be here before we know it. So yes, yeah. Halo Infinite, which has obviously got. We, I'm still in my sceptical, worried, and uh, you know, tentative stage because of the the problems they've had during development and how many people have left that project. Um, but nevertheless, it'd be good to see some solid uh, direction coming from them. And they have uh, said that it's on track for this year, and they still expect it to launch this year. Okay. But there was a, but the, who knows? COVID is making things really difficult. So I think they're. They don't want. They're not nailing it as a. It's definitely coming out. And not only that, if they are having problems, then it's a nice uh, delay tactic almost that people have accepted. But but again, do they need it there to sell the console? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think. Mm. I think it's different to. I think it's different to when the first Xbox came out and you needed a Halo, and then the next one came out, you needed a Halo like two or three. I can't remember which it was. You, it felt like it needed it but it's now so established that I don't think it needs it anymore. And not only that, because of all the backwards compatibility and the fact mm. that games will work, it's not like day one, you're not going to have anything to do. That's the big worry on a console when you buy it day one. Generally speaking, it hasn't got any software catalog. So you you are left with launch games, which aren't always the best. And no, that can well, leave a bit of a sour taste. I still remember, so first Xbox, I remember picked that up, picked up Halo. I think Dead or Alive was another launch game. Project Gotham. I can't remember if it was a launch game, but there was. But then you were starting to struggle because it was like 12, 18, 20 games. And I remember they did a price cut in the first, you know, it was like the first. They had to pay who, people on launch. They had to pay them back some money because it was and so quick I remember quick after getting launch. vouchers. They did it as a go and pick up two or three games. Like, That's there's, it, yeah. no, there's nothing left that I want. And I remember whatever it was I picked up, they were crap. Because yeah. launch titles are like that. You get these amazing ones and then not so good. They're often, launch titles are often graphical demonstrations more than, yeah. you know, rather than actual games. Um, but I think Halo was enough to keep people interested for a, a while anyway. So they got away with it. But you're right. Yeah, they, did, um, they did play around with that. And yeah, but, but nowadays that's not really the case because all your games that you're playing now will still be playable. And if you've got Game Pass, well, heck, you can play a whole ton of new games on the new hardware without any effort at all. So what kind of games did we see in their first announcement then? I ha- hands in the air, didn't have or haven't watched it yet. I am interested to watch it, but what did we see? A, a disappointing series of games. So they mm. made a big hoo-ha about this, saying this is the first Xbox Series X, you know, actual in-game that you'll see. Um, but most of the games were two-minute trailers. And okay. two-minute trailers that didn't look like very much in-game. Um, so we saw what, Assassin's Creed... Valhalla, which looked nice. It was Bright Memory Infinite, which, which, again, some of the graphics did look impressive, but you, you just didn't really get a feel for, you know, what it was. There was some Ninja Gaiden type, you know, stuff in there. Um, Madden was there, and it's just it's Madden. Um, it's a couple of kind of horror games, which again seems to tie up with typical launch fear, you know, stuff that graphically looks impressive, but you kind of know. It's going to be a middle of the road, get some traffic, but it's not really going to, you know, blow people away. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a kind of strange set of initial 
um, games was Dirt Five was probably one of the biggest, I guess, fran- you know, alongside Madden, they were the biggest kind of franchises getting talked about, and it looked like Forza Horizon, but but you never saw much in game. It was like watching a two minute trailer for what the game's all about. And- it's kind of it, I get the feeling, you know, at Xbox where they do the they have the big announcements, but in between they keep showing you those real quick like. repeater, exactly and this is almost like. like- <laughs> because it's not in one long stream we're breaking this up over one month by month uh yeah we, we're only getting the the small teasers that leave you and you know, one of the big guys, announcements in one of their main guys came out you know the next day and says look I'm, we're, we're hearing the negativity we think we mishandled expectation beforehand we built too much mm. and and you've walked away disappointed we'll take that on board for the next ones you know, we, we now know what you want. So now we're going to tell you, know. you it's rubbish before it happens, and, and then think, you're not going to be disappointed. I think it was even even if it was like, and I'm not saying let's show a Halo, but like take one of the games and give us a 20 minute walkthrough of it. Take actually show some give us some innovative gameplay rather than yeah, yeah the just graphics. Which yeah. again, you get so used to graphics so quick, and it's not like we haven't seen them on PC. That's the thing they're fighting against at the moment. Yes. PCs again have taken them to that that lead uh, ahead of the console generation, so we almost we can see what the graphics going to be like in games already. We, you know, that's not going to get us what we need is good innovative gameplay. And Dirt, Dirt got a lot of you know a lot of um, press, but it's coming out in PlayStation. So PlayStation just put a press release and said, "Yep, Dirt Five come to PlayStation." <laughs> I still think that PlayStation they could uh fall on arrogance um both their community and them people switch allegiance fairly quickly depending on where the games and where the fun is um so i wonder whether um playstation this generation are going to suffer from that i think um yeah june 2nd seems to be the big reveal on playstation 5 something that they've done like tech a big tech conference and showed a very futuristic looking you know pad but June 2nd, which again, as you say, isn't far away. So three, it, three Interestingly, I, I, I don't know whether I am accurate in this, but it feels like, and it felt like with previous console launches, by now we've had the pre-order notifications from the big Amazons and the big companies saying you can pre-order now. I might be a little bit ahead of the game there, but... I, I think a little bit because usually you'd have your E3. So E3 in June would have been Okay, so, so it was still a month away from that. that yeah, one. Okay. so E3 in June, and then you would have seen like your Amazons doing, you know, and I've tried, what was it, Day 1 edition? That was it, Xbox Day 1 editions. So you get mm. a little imprinted on your, on your joypad. I still, the, the, the bit everybody's waiting for is price. Yeah, you of course. Know, as, as and it, I think that, that both PlayStation and Microsoft are so tentative because they know how important it's going to be. Yeah. And they neither want to go first. Yeah. And that's what did. I mean, I know, I know Sony have come out and said, you know, as soon as they saw the Xbox One pricing, they all looked at each other and said, we've done it because we're yeah. going to come in cheaper, you know, and it was, and they nailed the message, the clear message around gaming, price is cheaper. Um, and and the, the first one, they actually had better performance. You know, I know Microsoft have really jumped ahead in performance. Not really, but, but there is a noticeable difference. But they don't have games. the first party game, exclusive no. game development. No, even in, so Edge Edge last month you just you just saw it the games that were in there you know there's another ten um, which Edge doesn't give out very and it's a PS4 title you still yeah. look at some of the PS4 titles which looks like it's on its you know it's on its knees because it's the end of the cycle but Last of Us Two comes out you know next month it's, it's still some big titles coming and looking mm-hmm. at Xbox going your big titles are next console. Mm-hmm. 
and not only next console the next console next year so it's yeah, you know next you're console waiting. next year and you can play it in your current console and you can play it on pc probably as well and so it d- two games so it's like cyberpunk if if the console's delayed at all or if do, do you really want to play a game that you've already played once through on your standard console to then go and play it through just with the better graphics I don't know whether it has got that draw. I, I've never found a game yet where it's very rare that I play a game twice. I, mean, I have done it, but it's it's not very often. G- GTA is one that springs to mind. The, the kind of early GTAs that then they came out, kind of like almost like remastered editions. But I, I dipped in and out. I didn't play it fully through, and mm-hmm. I can't see me doing, you know, picking up Cyberpunk and then and then like a month, two months later, something like that. You know, doing it again, I'd probably just wait. Yeah, no, exactly. It. There you go. That is our news. So <clears throat> looking forward to the next month or two hearing more, more about both those platforms. Um, but if you want to find out more about us, what we are, what we do, digitaloutbox.com, info at digitaloutbox.com if you want to email us. Twitter is digitaloutbox. I am on Twitter as CheesyUK. Uh, Ian, where do we find you? Uh, iandick.com and um, probably watching you commentate <laughs> at com. Yeah, so YouTube, search for kateandracer.com, go and Go have a look at that channel. Go subscribe. Thank you very much for listening and we will talk to you again very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.